Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because in my mind I think I can, and then I'm going to end up preaching at verse 3. When the lockdowns hit in 2020, God spoke to me out of Second Chronicles 20 and said this is going to be a roadmap for the next few years. So Second Chronicles 20 is when war is declared against Jehoshaphat from three surrounding armies, and he can't take those three armies out. So they, they come to the temple and ask God for help. That's what 2020 was. Who will stand in the temple? The order came out to stand in the temple. Some people folded, some people stood. Then once they stood in the temple, God strengthened them. That's what 2021 was, God strengthening the church. The Bible says, I'll strengthen that which remains. 2022 was the third part of the chapter. You can break the chapter basically into four parts, where the Bible says they sang praises and God sent ambushments against their enemies and killed every one of them. 2022 was the destruction of the enemies where it looked like in January of 2022, we were in very bad shape, you know? The, the OSHA thing where they, they were gonna be able to come into any place that had 99 employees or more, then they were gonna lower it to 30 employees. As soon as you lose private property, you live in a communist country. If a government can come in without a warrant and just check what you're doing and shut everything down, you don't have freedom anymore. That was, that was, about, that was about done. I mean, even conservative lawyers said it's not looking good, and then where I'm going next week, Rowlett, Texas, at Church in the City, my Uncle Ted was there in January of 2022. And he came in the pulpit one night, and I'd never heard him talk like this, but he said, he said, I had a vision this afternoon, and he said, I saw a large, dark figure over the United States. And I said, what is it, Lord? He said, the Lord said, that's the strong man that's been over the United States uh, since 2015. Then fire flashed down from heaven and burned the strong man up, and he was gone. And the Lord said, I've now cleared that strong man out, and now the country's gonna begin to open up regionally. Well, right after he gave that word was when the Supreme Court struck down the ocean mandate, the vaccine mandate, and as dark as it looked, everything turned in our favor. Can you say amen? amen. I get a little irritated about quite a few things, but I, I get a, a little irritated about when I hear preachers and Christians uh, sell America out. And you know, we don't actually even have freedom and America's already been taken over. Well, if that's true, how come all those plans that, that were launched were never able to get, to get their teeth set in the country? The people beat it back. America it, is not all it should be, but America has been, far, has been far from conquered. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is here. We're alive and God's given us power to reign in this time. Can you say amen? Now, if you don't stay convinced of that, you might as well just go to Cain's Chicken right now and eat. Because if you do not have a positive outlook on life, I might write a, a book on it the more I think about it. And then I might get sued by Joel Osteen because I think he has a positive outlook on life. Copyrighted. But maybe they'll let there be a second person that talks about it. Because I would call it the law of, the, of a positive outlook on life. You're never gonna have breakthrough. If you're, well, churches aren't really growing. People don't want to hear the word of God. You can fast. If that is your mindset, 
You can fast and pray till you starve to death. You're not going to have any, any people come to your church. Everything starts with realizing I have a bright future because God is for me and I'm with God and God makes my tomorrows brighter. Can you say amen? Say my tomorrows are going to be better than my yesterdays. Yeah. And, and if you're not convinced of that, you can do all the Bible reading you want. You can do all the sowing you want. Your mindset is going gonna, is gonna to cap off what God wants to do. Yeah, well, that's the use. Government takes it all anyway. If you leave church and start letting all the opposite confessions come out of your mouth of what you confessed in church, no, start saying what the Bible says. I know the Lord is making a way for me where there is no way. I know every crooked path being made straight. Start talking like that. In fact, I would even tell you that, <coughs> excuse me, that a secret to breakthrough is having a mentality as well. I look like everybody else. I live where everybody else lives, but I'm not like everybody else. Things work differently for me than they work for other people because I have a covenant with God. Yeah, they didn't call all the prisoners out to, to be a prime minister of Egypt, just Joseph. And I, I dealt with in the beginning of the week that if you're gonna go to high places in life but with God, you have to get out of this thing they're trying to give everybody about the community. I'm not trying to lift the black community or the Polish community or the Hispanic, Dallas isn't trying to lift the Hispanic community. I'll bless people, but it's as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Yeah, if you, if, if you wanna help lift a hundred million people out of poverty, knock yourself out, but how about starting with you? So then what about our community? community? Community is a very similar word to communism, and that's what they do. You know, there's an old saying that six poor people and one rich person make seven poor people because the needs of the six will drain the seven. God's not trying to use you to, li to lift uh, a whole group, your whole ethnicity. In fact, the whole thing about being born again is that you leave your family. The Bible says to leave the empty life you've inherited from your ancestors. Well, you got people all going in the different direction now, Christians included. I'm doing 23andMe to see what my ethnic background is. Why? And then people find out. I'm actually 61% Irish. So then they book a trip in the summer to go to Ireland to work. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm confusing ethnicities. I think Scot, Scots wear kilts. Go, go to Ireland, put on a green hat, drink. So what, you can just pretend you're a leprechaun for a week because you found that on 23andMe you, you were Irish? Find out that you're Polish? I'm going to go to Poland and be there. That's where my roots are. My root is not in Poland or England. My root is in the seed of Abraham. I got born again. I'm in a new family. And once you get an understanding of that, you'll never get trapped by this new racist Christianity. Where if you're a black Christian, what are you doing working for a white pastor? What are, you're going to go to hell, my friend. God doesn't talk like that. God loves everybody. Can you say amen? Yeah, I don't, I don't trust white people. I don't trust, uh, first of all, I'm not racist. I don't trust anybody regardless of what color they are. Can you say Amen. My family's from West Virginia. They used to have a saying, nobody in West Virginia is racist. We hate everybody. Well, at least that's better than being racist. Amen. You're an equal opportunity hater. So th they do that. They do that in church. This is a Spanish Pentecostal church. What the heck does that mean? You reach only Spanish people? You know, I reach only black people? You know, I'll go to a meeting, but really I don't trust anybody that's not like me. You know who God used to break me through? Did you know almost everybody God used to break me through is black? The first prosperity message I heard that stuck and broke me out was from a pastor from Louisiana named Dr. Leroy Thompson. 
and I was coming to hear R.W. Shambach, and he canceled, and they replaced him with Leroy Thompson. I didn't want, no, I didn't want to hear him, not because he's black. I didn't want to hear prosperity. I was taught against prosperity. So I didn't want to, I wanted to, I was a typical Christian. I was 23 and healthy and wanted to hear a healing message. And I had no money in my bank and I don't believe in prosperity. Someone should have said, I know you don't believe in prosperity. I saw your car and your bank account. Now I don't want to hear, people don't want to hear the thing they don't have. But I listened to that man preach for an hour and a half. He was preaching and then I had an earpiece translation where they translated Dr. Thompson into um, Northeast English so that I could understand it. But I got it. I got his message after an hour and a half. I sold everything I had in my bank, which was $72, and had made plans to fast for the next eight or nine days because I wasn't getting paid. I worked for my father. I got paid on the 1st and 15th. That was like the, the fourth of the month. I had no way to get any income. So I thought, well, I'll just fast. And as I walked back, a lady stopped me in the aisle and said, um, I, I feel to give to you. I said, I'm not with him. You know, I, I, he's receiving the offering. I walked down, put my offering, and I'm walking back. It'd be like if a lady stopped me right here. I want to give an offering to you. Well, I grew up in the ministry. I know preachers aren't too keen on people stopping people in the aisle and taking the money. No, I'll get it to him. Just give it to me. So I thought, this guy's going to see me taking people's checks. Uh, that's not good. And uh, I said, I'm not with his ministry. And she, it was a church I didn't go to. So no one knew me there. No, I have an offering for him, but the Lord spoke to me to give to you. Who do I make the check out to? I, and I told her the name of my dad's ministry. She said, no. The Lord specifically told me, don't give to his ministry, give to him. That was the first time I ever heard anybody say that in four years of ministry. I never had anybody give anything just to me. Now, this isn't for you. This is for starving children. I said, what about me? I'm skinnier than those kids on the brochure. I'm hungry too. No one ever, no one ever cared. But you know what? I also, the Bible says, consider your ways. How come nobody ever gave to me? I never gave personal money. I sold out of my dad's ministry or whatever. I mean, I'd tithe, but I never did what I did that night. Emptied my personal bank account. Notice how seed works. That God knew I didn't give ministry money. If that woman would have given me a check for $10,000 for the ministry, I still was going to be no food, no gas for eight days. But the Lord knew. The Lord knows. The Lord keeps record in heaven. And you know, you think, what am I giving him 72 bucks for? He burned more jet fuel than that in the time it took me to get from my seat and give him the offering. I'm not helping him. God, that's when it clicked. That's, that changed my life. I hit a breakthrough there. I'm talking to you about breakthrough. I hit a breakthrough because I realized, oh, the offering's not to help him. The offering's to help me. God wasn't trying to take me from $72 to $0 to have some kind of sadistic, warped test of my faith. You know, people talk about God testing your faith like he's some kind of sadistic child abuser. I'm going to test you. Give me your money. I'll make you sick. No, that's every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. Can you say amen? So, so what happened? The Lord said, hey, hey, genius. Instead of you holding on to your little 72 bucks, why don't you put it in my hand and watch what I do with it? So when the lady said, not your ministry, you, how do I make it out to you? I said, my name's Jonathan Shuttlesworth. She wrote it in the check, gave it to me. I went back to my seat, opened it up. It was to me for $1,000. I had never had anybody give me $1,000 before. So I go from going to starve to now I feel 
I'm telling you, when that woman gave me a thousand, how many of you saw when that lady gave us a million dollars in our ministry a couple weeks ago? That thousand got me more excited than the million because a million takes care of 28 days bills in our ministry. But that thousand, I, I felt like buying a top hat, a tuxedo, a monocle, a cane, walking around like the planter's peanut guy for the rest of the week. I was rich. I had no bills or, you know, hardly any bills or anything. I went straight to the bank in the morning at 8 a.m. that the check was drawn on. And I said, I'd like to cash this check. Well, even back then, they didn't like you cashing the check. Um, do you, uh, why do you want to cash it? I said, because uh, I want the money. <laughs> they said, what, what do you, you know, they ask you, what are you going to spend it on? I, I said, oh, I'm, whatever I want. This little thing about whatever I want. So the, the lady goes, well, you know, if you open an account with our bank, we put $50 in your account. I said, okay, I'll do that. So I opened the account and uh, filled out the paperwork, deposited it, and then immediately withdrew $1,050 and closed the account. Amen. That's called using your brain. That's called double blessing. Amen. Thank you for that seed, BB&T Bank. So I took that $1,050. I went out to Taco Bell breakfast and ate like a, ate like a trailer park king. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the best days of my life. That was a breakthrough. It's not just that I got the $1,000, that I went from broke to abundance, but I got a revelation from God's word that, oh, no, it's offering time. Oh, no, it's tithe. No, no, no. This was God's plan to help me get from where I am to where I need to be. And then you saw. how many? Now, I told you about somebody giving us a million. How many of you saw when I sold a million dollars in March to Pastor Rodney? How many of you remember me saying, you know, that was my goal in life. I wanted, to get, I wanted to do that. Now I need new goals. I said, I told Pastor Rodney when I gave it, I'm not doing this to help you. I'm doing this to help me. Because a million dollars, I told him up in the room before we went on the broadcast. I said, uh, what would you have done if God told you on your way over from South Africa when you were in your 30s with a wife and two or three kids and three suitcases? One day, there's going to be a man who gives you a million dollars, and you got real happy, and it'll be enough to pay your bills for nine days. And he, he nodded. Yeah, that million, it sounds like a big deal, but his ministry, throwing those buildings up and all that, and I know about that stuff. You know, if you see that atrium he's putting up, the glass on that, I mean, that million dollars, wouldn't, I don't even think it'd pay for the framing for the glass. So it actually isn't helping him. It's a nice thing to do, but it's a spiritual transaction that as that million goes into the seed, the soil of the kingdom, then God is going gonna, is gonna to measure it back to me, pressed down, shaken together and running over to make room for more. And instead of me trying to make a million dollars, do $20 million worth of work for our church, that million will multiply. Well, it already started six weeks later, just like I said, see, I didn't, I didn't do that. People laugh when I say that stuff. People laughed in the studio audience. You know, I'm not doing this to help you. I'm doing it to help me, but I did. I sowed that as a seed. A farmer doesn't put seed in the ground because he feels bad for the ground. Does Mr. Dirt need a little meal? No. He's planting that seed because he, he is looking for a harvest. Can you say amen? Turn to Galatians chapter 6.
Somebody say that word out loud, breakthrough. breakthrough. If you're watching online, write it in the, in the comments. Breakthrough. You don't have to stay at the same level. You shouldn't stay at the same level. You'll die if you stay at the same level. That's how you die. I started to tell that story the other day. I've started to tell a lot of stories. I finish about 40% or so. That I called that youth pastor out 15 years ago. He was in his 50s, youth pastor. I said, you have a burden for the people of this state. And the Lord's spoken to you to go start a church. And you've been slow to do it. You need, and I didn't know how the pastor would feel about it. Prophesying that his youth pastor needs to leave. But when I said it, his wife started crying. Like, you know, you see that a lot. You give the husband a word, he's been slow. The wife, the wife's been telling him. And he was scared to step out and pastor. I said, I said you know, it's, not, it's time to not be youth pastor anymore. You're, you're in your 50s. You can only relate so well to 15-year-olds. And uh, you've stayed. He's been the youth pastor for 30-some years. You, you've stagnated. There is something in the flesh that you want to get into a routine and just do that routine your whole life. But that's not God's way. That's why people say, well, God wants you out of your comfort zone. He's not just willy-nilly knocking you out of your comfort zone. He's speaking to you about advancement. That's what he was doing when I was there with that 72 dollars. Hey, I don't want you being a broke evangelist, hoping things work out. Hoping, start getting into my plan, and I'll start taking you higher. Can you say amen? amen? Well, he never listened. He stayed as the youth pastor. Three years later, his kidneys completely shut down. I'm not saying that when he, he didn't listen to me. I don't rejoice. I don't even rejoice when, when wicked people die. It's stupid to put, put stuff up and gloat about people dying. That, that, that's what wicked people do. And he wasn't even wicked. He was a good guy. He was just stagnated. So his kidneys shut down. Well, I came back to that church. And him and his wife said, can you pray uh, for, for my husband? His kidneys are shut down. He had his hands lifted. I said, I'm not praying because I can't pray that off of you. You're out of the will of God, and that's why things aren't working. How many of you were here yesterday? Where the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.1, you will live and multiply. So it, when a tree stops producing fruit, the Bible says it's plucked out. You're disconnected from the flow of life. Because just like the Bible, think of this. Just like the Bible says don't commit adultery, it said, that's a command. You commit adultery, you're in sin. Because God commanded you not to commit adultery. God didn't suggest for us to be fruitful and multiply. He commanded man, be fruitful and multiply. Now, I'll just stay here and be youth pastor, set my fantasy football lineup, read eight hours of ESPN.com articles a week. I mean, what is a youth pastor even doing in their office for 40 hours? You better be delivering one masterpiece of us. You better be D.L. Moodying it every Wednesday night or whenever your youth group is. Just, just kicking around, not doing anything, showing up at the office, sitting in the room, whatever. That's not multiplication. It's what separates us from the animals is multiplying, increasing. My dog has never done anything to help our home. He never said, listen, I, I sleep in this room upstairs. I thought it'd be nice to have some flowers in here. And uh, I actually got some contractors that are going to put an extra window in. I thought it would brighten up the room. No, they just eat, sleep, pee, poop, have sex. And without God, you become an animal. Eat. Sleep, drink, uh, uh, pee, poop, have sex. Without the Holy Ghost, man is relegated to the animal nature. Looking for somebody to have sex with on Friday night. Looking for somewhere to get food. Hey, they're having a cookout over here. Huh? 
Just like a puppy. You got no purpose in life. Get some, get some clothes, whatever. But when you start getting into God's purpose, that I'm here to add something to planet Earth. I'm not here to survive. I'm not here for people to take care of me. I'm here to lift people from my generation by the power of God. God's given me something to do that I can do that'll change my generation. Then your life takes meaning. Your life has purpose. You wake up with a smile on your face every day before your alarm. You're ready to go because I'm here for such a time is this. That's why God has you here. You're not here to exist or survive. Say it out loud. I'm here for such a time as this. Galatians chapter 6. Now that guy finally left that church when he was close to 60 and started a church and then died a few years after that. How many of you saw me and me and uh, Pat, I just want to give you an uplifting story to start the morning off. How many of you saw that broadcast that Donaldson and I did? Why did you decide to die before you died? Anybody see that? We titled it. Why did you decide to die before you died? People die before they die. You know, Pastor Bob Nichols is in the front row. He mentioned health challenges he had last night. I was with him. For one of the first ones, he was at Baylor University Hospital in Texas. I was preaching at his church. He was going in for a heart surgery that they said he had a 50-50 chance of making it out. You know what that guy did when I went to go visit him? He said, go get my briefcase over there. I have $2,000 cash in there. I want to sew it to you before I go into surgery. I said, Pastor Bob, if you want to sew it to me, give it to me when you survive the surgery because I'm not sure your grandkids are going to believe that you wanted me to sew to me all the money that was in your briefcase. Imagine if he passed away. Hey, all my grandfather's money's missing. He wanted to bless me with it. Uh, you're going to have to take my word for it. We were the only two in the room. Even I wouldn't believe that. Well, he makes it out. You know, I've never heard him talk about winding down. All he's talking about is recovering. He's moving better than when I was with him last month. And he's, he's got meetings scheduled to preach. Came to hear me here in Louisiana. Going next week in Texas. And then has places, he was in, at Pastor Rodney's, speaking there to the Bible college. That guy's at 86, making plans for the future. Then you got people at 56, you know, it's kind of time for me to wind down. We want wind down means dead. I've never understood these preachers that retire. They don't even have any money anyway. I can see if you had a billion dollars in the bank, you want to go move to the Alps in Switzerland, we're going to retire. You're broke. What are you going to do, fish for dinner every night? It's a lie from the devil. There's no retirement in the Bible. I said, there's no retirement in the Bible. I could show you. I don't know whether it's Wharton Business School. It's, some, it's a secular business school. They released statistically what the most productive decades of life are. Number one is decade 70 to 80 in a person's life. CEOs, college presidents, on that, the high, most of them, how old's the president? How old? Hey, somebody said too old. That's not a, the worst answer. No, since, we, since somebody brought up our president, if there are any older people here that think because you're older, I'm not, just take a look at the president of the United States and you should at least get a little something and you go, you know what? Maybe I could go one more round. 
because I might not be the sharpest, but I can find my way off the stage. Thank you and good night. Good night. It's like 10, 20 in the, in the morning. Thank you and good night. It's like a Chevy Chase skit from early Saturday Night Live. Fallen, he fall, didn't even trip over anything. One comedian that I follow said, Joe Biden looks like FDR if he was too proud to use a wheelchair. Pretty much. So when you watch him, oh, that one was too much. That was over the line. All right. When you watch him, how come he's not retiring? He should be retired. He should be sitting in Sunny Acres rest home with a crocheted blanket over his knees, eating vanilla pudding. And he's president of the United States of America. And then you have a perfectly functional mind. You, 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 you can find your way off a platform. You're not sniffing people's kids' hair. You're in good shape. And somebody told you to sit down and your time's over. Well, I came to tell you, your grandkids are wrong. Your kids are wrong. Your best days aren't behind you. Your best days are ahead of you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you receive that, go ahead. Clap your hands unto the Lord and give him a mighty shout. Somebody say, I'm not finished yet. People die before they die. The average person dies within seven years of when they retire. Do you know that? Young E. Cho had a, uh, David Young E. Cho that pastored the largest church on planet earth. He, he wrote a chapter on the power of life and death that's in the tongue. And he said when he was teaching on it, a surgeon, a neurosurgeon from his Church came up and said, who told you that information? Because he hadn't quoted any, he was only quoting the scripture. He hadn't like said, open the James. He was saying how your tongue controls your whole, your whole life. So the neurosurgeon goes, who told you that information? He said, a doctor. So what's the doctor's name? He said, Dr. James. The tongue, though it's the smallest member, like the rudder of a ship, steers the course of the whole body and the whole life. He said, we're just doing, we just finished concluded a study where we studied the power of words and it hasn't been released yet. He says it's a groundbreaking study, but you just said everything that we found. So this, this doctor says, when you say I'm tired, all your cells start lining up with what your mouth said. We're tired. We're shutting down. He, and then this is in the book that neurosurgeon said, when a man says I'm retiring, your the cells, all the cells of your body here, it's time to wind down and go to the grave. We're winding down. This is it. Death and life is in the power of the. So scientists are finding out now what, what the Bible could have told you 2,000 years ago. That it's not when you say, it's not you saying what you feel. You're actually dictating your feelings by what you say. Did you know a change in your day is only a few sentences away? You can speak not how you feel. I'm going to give you an example. Camila, just wave your hand so people know I have a, a daughter. Camila, we were flying on a plane, and she was crying. I can't remember what happened to her. She hit her elbow or something. She doesn't cry much, but she was, she was crying. Do you know how I got her to stop crying? And then hug her and say, hey, sorry. You know what I said? In the middle of her crying heart, I said, tell me your five favorite days of your life. She immediately stopped crying. Um... 
Do you remember that one time you took me to Disney World by surprise? That was before we knew it was a human trafficking ring and we just thought it was an amusement park. Uh, if lawyers from Disney are watching, just joking. JK, JK. Because that was the first one she brought up. Because one time, she came down with me to go see Pastor Rodney. I was preaching at Pastor Rodney's church. He was away. I was going to preach there on a Sunday. I, I flew in Southwest on Saturday night. We landed at 6.20, and it was a super, the, the bags were already at baggage claim. The rental car was right across the street. So when I got in my car, it was 6.30, all done for the night. It's just me and her. And she loved Disney World. She'd watch YouTube videos, watching other people stand in line to get on the rides. That's love. And let me tell you, me taking her to Disney is love because I hate Disney World with all my heart. Let me tell you, if you feel bad as a parent because you've never taken your kids to Disney World, let me help you to not feel bad. They call it the happiest place on earth. It is not even in the top thousand of happiest places on earth. As soon as you walk in, there's just one family after another screaming at their children. I paid $5,500 to be here. You're not going to cry. I don't care if it is hot. It's like 100 degrees with 2,000% humidity. It's not fun. It's like Vietnam with roller coasters. So, but I love that kid. You know, she's, she's lovable. So I didn't say anything. I got in the car, and instead of driving to the hotel and checking in, I drove an hour and a half to Orlando, and Camila goes after about 40 minutes. How far is the hotel, Dad? I said, just a little further. And then we drive, and we get to Celebration, Florida, where Disney is, where they have the big gate with Mickey and Minnie. It says, welcome to the home of Disney. So she's, she's like half asleep in the passenger seat. And she sees us. And then she went, are you taking me to Disney World? I went, oh yeah. Let me tell you something. I thought that kid was going to go see Jesus. Just explode. <laughs> we got in there at about 8 o'clock, which is great for me because it closes at 10. So <laughs> It's about two hours earlier than I wanted to get there. We hit the gates, ride some rides. She, she watches the fireworks with me together. We checked into one of the Disney hotels, just drove in for church the next morning from Orlando, had the little princess breakfast together. She goes, do you remember that? See, now look, look at all, if you could see all your faces right now, you weren't even there, and you're smiling. <laughs> well, soon as, as soon as I made her rehearse that memory, she quit crying. Oh, and then do you remember that other day? She brought up a second day, then a third day. Where'd the tears go? I said, how's your elbow? She said, it's okay. Because she's speaking of pleasant things, remembering great things. Anytime I'm tempted to get angry at my wife, I have like three things that she's done for me that were above and beyond in our marriage that I just make myself think of that and the other feeling goes away. Yeah, I control my emotions. My emotions don't control me. And my emotions are word activated. What I dwell on and what I speak controls it. Can you say amen? amen. Galatians 6. Verse 8. Verse 7. Don't be misled. God is not mocked. You will always harvest what you plant or you'll always reap what you sow. 
If you grew up in church like I grew up in, they only emphasized the negative part of that. Well, Sally has lung cancer. She was always smoking. Reap what you sow. Well, somebody yelled it. Somebody fired her. She was always gossiping. Somebody gossiped about her. Reap what you sow. And it is true. You will, if you sow negative seeds, you'll reap negative harvest. But there's a flip side to it too. He that sows to the flesh shall reap corruption after the flesh. But he who sows to the Spirit shall reap an everlasting harvest of life and peace by the Spirit. Listen to that. He that sows to the Spirit. What does that mean? You sow your time. Time's a seed. You sow your energy. Energy's a seed. Words are a seed. Actions are a seed. Money's a seed. And when you do it, when you connect any of those things with the, the, the kingdom of God, it produces, it doesn't just cut off the negative flow. That's all I was taught growing up. You know, and then when you become a Christian, you're no longer sowing negative seeds, so then the devil can't do it to you what he used to do. That's true, but then there's a second part too, that I can actually, instead of holding on to myself, where would I even be today? What would my life even be like if at Dr. Thompson's meeting, give your $72, uh-uh. I don't have anything to eat and I need gas money. Go find somebody else. I'll tell you what would have happened. He'd have found somebody else. And there'd be some other 42-year-old now enjoying the blessing of God at a high level because he obeyed God. And I wanted my 72 And by the way, I'm not taking, I'm gonna, we, we receive an offering at the end of the meeting every time. This is not building to an offering. I'm telling you about breakthrough. Breakthrough includes money, but it's more than money. It's opportunity. It's influence. You know, if you can be a minister, and there's, there's quite a few, they have millions of dollars in the bank. But if they, hook, if they go on YouTube Live, there's three people watching. And it's a frustration to them because they have money, but they don't have influence. There's people that have influence and big dreams, but no money to get it done. But God doesn't say pick between the two. He's got wisdom, influence, honor, and wealth. He has the health to enjoy it. That's where healing comes in. If all these doors open up and you have money to do it, but you're bedridden with some disease, like some of the people we prayed for this week and Sunday are, then, you, then it's a frustration. But God's got health for your body, strength for your body, health for your mind, strength for your mind, open doors, an increase of revenue. It's all in the blessing and you're going to get your share, baby, today in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. I receive it. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, if that scripture's true, which it is, because it even has a preamble before it, but don't be deceived. God's not mocked. In other words, don't let anybody deceive you. This law will never end. As long as the earth remains, There'll be summer and winter, springtime and fall, seed time and harvest. So anytime you hear somebody talk about climate change, that if we don't get a handle on it, it's just going to be summer all the time, they're full of crap. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. So either your line or the Bible's line. And I'm going to go with Al Gore's line and that angry-faced Greta Thunberg who needs an enema. Your face is that twisted up at that age. How are you so worried? You should be having fun in your youth. Can you say amen? amen? I feel like I'm giving this speech to Greta Thunberg's family, so we'll move on. 
There will always be seed time and harvest. You'll always reap what you sow. Well, then if that's true, why do people feel the need at every offering to say, how many of you know we don't give to get? It doesn't matter whether you give to get or not, you're gonna get what you give. I actually didn't even know anything about these laws when I gave that $72 to Dr. Thompson's ministry. And my $72 turned into $1,000, and the next morning turned into $1,050. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? I mean, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't give to get. You get what you give. You reap what you sow. Why does someone always stand up and say that? Always have to put that little preamble in before people give. I mean, no, whether God blesses us or not. I mean, no, we don't expect anything. I, listen, you're, you are speaking against the scripture. And that's why your ministry doesn't have anything, because you tick Jesus off. Because his word taught one thing, and you're telling people a different thing. You know, people, say that, say that phrase again, consider your ways. People would do well to consider their ways. If I'm going the wrong way, if I have to drive to, to uh, Fort Worth from right here, and I need to head west, and I get on a road headed east, I can pray in tongues as hard as I want. I'm not only not going to get to Texas, I'm going to get further and further away from Texas, no matter how hard I pray. When Jonah was on a boat headed in the wrong direction, he was more cursed than the heathen on that boat were. And he is a prophet who was so mightily anointed, he could swing a city in 40 days that didn't have one believer in it. But when he was in the wrong direction, things went bad. So people will hit in their ministry. Um, we need a million dollar miracle. We're $1.3 million in the hole. Uh, we have bills that are due in 10 days that if we don't pay them, they're gonna padlock our building. We need prayer. We need people to give. No, you need to consider your ways. Because if, am I the only one that's one? I mean, I observe. I like to observe. So then let's say they get the 1.3 million. They, they, they pulled on everybody's hearts that partnered with their ministry and likes them and want, doesn't want to see them go bankrupt. So the money comes in miraculously and they have a testimony service. Money came in, bills were due at noon. A woman came up with a check for the rest of the money at 11.51. We were able to pay it off and everyone claps. Well, they're only back to zero. All the miracle did was pay the debt off. There's still a deficiency in income and overhead. So two months later, they're doing a reel on Instagram. Hey, this is Brother uh, Smitherson again. Uh, we're in another financial deficit, and I, we know that God worked through many of you to rally two months ago, but then we know uh, there's going to be people that say, hey, rather than going from crisis to crisis and having to get your rear end bailed out in the midnight hour, why not consider your ways? Maybe you're going in the wrong direction. What are you doing that is stopping the flow of God's favor into your life? But no, why consider your ways when you can just preach a doctrine on how things don't work out? So then people actually expect and think that's normal. Well, how many know things don't work out? How many know late in the midnight hour, God comes through? No, that's not life. Life is not going from crisis to miracle to crisis to miracle. It's going from glory to glory, victory to victory, strength to strength. Abraham wasn't praying meals on the table. He started low, 
by Genesis 13 too. Abram was very rich. Everybody say very rich. In livestock, silver, and gold. Say that with me. Livestock, silver, and gold. Say these two words with me. Tangible wealth. Yeah. You know, I know that's why God put that in the Bible. And Abram was very rich, but he wanted to end the sentence. It says in brackets, in livestock, silver, and gold, or in parentheses. Because he knew there'd be some backslidden preacher. However many years later in America, how many know riches are more than just money? Shut up. It's amazing how people will bash money from the pulpit. We're not a prosperity church. We don't believe that prosperity gospel. Having said that, we need a miracle. How many know the last storm that blew through North Louisiana took a panel of our roof off? We need $400,000 or, or there's going to be black mold that sits in on this. Oh, uh, I thought money's not important. Why don't you just fill the roof with your prayers? Why don't you tell angels to do the work? Why don't you freaking stay, take a step back and consider your ways? People speak out of both sides of their mouth. I was in Bible college. I was in a full gospel Bible college. Our president got up and corrected the prosperity message for an hour. Then when he finished, I'm not even joking you. I remember this clearly. Amen. Closing prayer, amen. Now before we go, this school needs a $3 million miracle to stay in operation. And so we're appealing to the students and the staff to give. Maybe, maybe some of you have parents that, that went to this school that you could... You just told us for an hour, money's not important. You actually attacked people who said that God wants you to be a millionaire. And now you're appealing for people to give $3 million. Hey, genius, did you ever think that if someone has the ability to give a million, they're either a criminal or a millionaire? So you tell people not to be millionaires, then ask for a million dollars. How dumb can you get and still breathe? I was 20 years old thinking, no, no, if I was you, this is what I would say. And so just to close this meeting with the testimony, just like I preach, this school is $3 million in the hole. Praise the Lord. I pray it goes to $5 million in the hole by the end of the month. How many will believe with me? Because money isn't important. I'm believing that every asset we have begins to decay and all these buildings collapse and the school falls into the ground because we don't believe in prosperity. Let me tell you something. Anytime you hear somebody say, I don't believe in prosperity, then what do they believe in? Poverty, decay, crisis. You can't live somewhere in the middle in some magic world. You either believe in tragedy and loss and that's how life's going to be or you open up your Bible and realize, no, God doesn't want me with my hand out. God wants me with my hand with an overflowing cup not to need a blessing. I am a blessing and I bring blessing wherever I go. I tell you today, you're not going to need a blessing. That's what breakthrough is. You're leaving the place of needing blessing. You are a blessing. You're going to deliver blessing blessing to your generation in Jesus name. You're going to be the richest people in North Louisiana and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Say it out loud. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You'll harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature 
will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Every celebrity that I hear that's racked with anxiety or had a stroke and can't speak and they're my age, I'm not, ha- I don't know, see, that's what they get. I hope they get healed and serve the Lord and preach. But how many people does that have to happen to before you realize that how, that's how it goes? In the early 2000s, you were king of the party scene. Now you're bedridden, gonna die before you're 60. Consider your ways. Do you know how I ended up in the faith movement, being raised to hate the faith movement? Considering ways. How come these faith preachers look happy and healthy and these anti-faith people look 40 years older than what they are? Talking about how hard life is. Got a wife that's 35 years old that looks like the Quaker Oats guy. Me no likey. And I was thinking at 12 years old, one day it's going to be me. Which path do I want? The path of hardship? I mean, no ministry's hard. I mean, no devil's out there attacking. Why are you talking like that? You're 27. I love. I I'm listening to you lose the ability to speak as you preach unbelief. I'm watching you lose vertebrae as you're speaking unbelief. Then, then I'd watch these other guys, Jesse Duplantis with a bright face, a permanent smile on his face. Wife happy, him happy. Faith guys come. You know, they'd have these, like the guy at my school that was president of the school. I know, we need three million. Always, always. Do. Then they'd have these faith people in. Praise the Lord, everybody. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. My wife and I just got back from, over, you know, other people. We just got back from overseas. We could have been killed at any time. Um, you were in England. Relax. Okay, you're not in, in uh, some cannibalistic island. We were overseas. Could have been killed at any time. There was demon power there. Witches. How'd you know there were witches? They're walking in pointy hats. Do people fly brooms into your meeting? The demonic power was great there. Then you'd have these other guys. Praise the Lord, we just got back from India. We had 400,000 people in attendance and saw almost half a million people make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. A woman was healed, blind in her. I mean, it's just all... Like Luke 10, the disciples came back and joyfully reported all the things that were done, that even demons uh, obey us when we use your name. They came back and joyfully reported. If a minister's not happy, their salvation is questionable. Not their ministry's questionable, their salvation's questionable. You can't know Jesus and be, and be cantankerous. This is, bro- this is Brother Johnson. He prays four hours a day. To who? The devil? <laughs> Quit chewing gum. Tuck your shirt in. These ladies that are in this attendance, some of you, I can see your shoulders. Okay? Sounds like you have the problem. Can you say amen? Some of the way these women dress, like harlots. Um, no one's used that term since the early 1800s, sir. Maybe take, a, maybe take a little time away from praying and have some ice cream and cheer up. 
How are you spending four hours a day in the presence of God and coming out angry? In his presence is fullness of? At his right hand? Pleasures forevermore. So I'd watch these two groups of people and know when I was going to go into the ministry, I'd think, hmm, which guy do I want to be? Mr. I don't have no money and life's hard and the devil's attacking or this smiling son of a gun with a nice suit. Looks like he has clothes from this century. Wife is smiling. Other guys' wives, they're, <laughs> they had to hire extra staff to carry the bags under their wife's eyes. You could tell they're having it hard. It's okay to laugh. Your back's to the camera. Nobody's going to see you. <laughs> Wife's not happy. Yeah. <laughs> kind of facial expression. I'd be sitting there at nine years old. How many know it's a hard path? It's a path of suffering. Should be willing to die. I'm not willing to die. I'm in America. It's illegal to kill me. <laughs> Paul was thrown in prison. Yeah, I'm not in the Roman Empire. So if I was there, I would be. We should be willing to lay down our lives. Not without a trial. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Yeah. Even Paul didn't allow his back to get beat when it was illegal to beat him. True or false? When he was in a district where it was illegal to whip a Roman citizen without trial, they tied him to a post, got the whip out, and he said, hey, before you whip me, as you can see, I've had a few. But in this case, isn't it illegal to whip a Roman citizen without trial? Well, be careful what you're going to do. And he avoided the whipping. He invoked legal rights. He didn't obey the government. Government, and it's illegal, but the government says whip, so I wrote Romans 13. The guy that wrote Romans 13 didn't allow it to happen. We should be willing to die at any time. How about hire some security? Can you say amen? amen? They have this fake life of suffering that was all imposed by them. You're not suffering for the gospel. You're suffering because you're stupid. Not you, this imaginary person I'm talking about. Want me to give you an example? This is a real story. There's an evangelist I know. He posted on Facebook. This is years ago. Please pray for my wife and I today. We have three flights, and then we have a 10-hour drive to where we're preaching. Let me tell you something. As I wrote in the comment section, you don't need prayer. You need a globe. If you took three flights and have a 10-hour drive after you land, you landed at the wrong airport. You know, I had this crazy idea. When Pastor Stan called me to come preach in Ruston, I didn't fly to Pensacola, Florida. Can you say, actually, how, how far is Destin from here? Even that, how many? Six hours? He's 10 hours. Where's 10 hours from here? El Paso? That'd be like, and not one flight, three flights. Hey! And you want prayer? For what? <laughs> Lord, give him a functioning central nervous system. <laughs> Knock the moron out of him in the name of Jesus. You spirit of geographical illiteracy, I bind you. Come out of him now. Let him, let him own a Rand McNally Alice and read it to the glory of God. <laughs> so, 
Stop laughing. This is a very serious religious service we're trying to have. And you Louisianans are ruining it. But you know why people write that? Because when you don't teach people about sowing and reaping, you have to raise your money off of how hard you're having it. I bet some preachers are happy when they get sick. Oh, I have a newsletter. As I lay my back on the bed of MC Anderson Center in Houston. I'll, I need your help more than ever. They say I won't be able to go back. It's always crisis because they only know how to raise money like PBS kids. We need money or we're gonna go off the air. If the devil wants to raise money that way, that's fine. We need, we need your help. But that Bible does not teach living from a position of need. It says I'll fill your storehouses with grain. You don't play from behind as a child of God. You play from ahead as a child of God. You don't have to live off the bottom of the barrel praying meals on the table. God can fill your barrel and you can live off the top of the barrel. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. You're going to live off the top of the barrel in Jesus' mighty name. How many of you believe that with me? That's what breakthrough is. And until you get that settled in your spirit, I can oil everybody's head up like a plate of macaroni every night. And if you're going to take three flights to drive 10 hours, I can't help you. Because you want a hard life. You want a hard ministry so you can raise money off of debt. Did you know there's ministries? I'd say 75% of them. If they ever did get all their debts paid off, they wouldn't even know how to appeal for giving. They only know that we're building an orphanage, building stuff God never called them to build because there always has to be a lack. And if there's no lack, they teach people to give the lack. I don't give the lack. Unless it's a child or a woman in other cases. I mean, it's a grace of God I haven't been stabbed to death. There was a guy begging for money in an inner city I was in. I said, your legs work? Yeah. I said, well, my brother-in-law works for me 40 hours a week. His legs don't work. So I'm not giving you any money. Go stand up and work. He wasn't mentally deficient or anything. I don't support men. The Bible says a man that doesn't work should not eat. I'm hungry. Sounds right. If you could, here's a thought. Instead of sitting on the sidewalk all day, sit by a pond and put a line in the water. At least fish for yourself. We feed 2,000 kids a day. Those kids are suffering because of uh, whatever, the devil, bad parents. I have compassion on children. I have compassion on women, some of them, if they were put in their shape by somebody else. But they're adults. But I don't see people as, oh, poor them. No, 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 there's something you can do. God didn't make you poor you. He made you in his image. Can you say Amen. Say this out loud. I don't have needs. I meet needs. Turn to, turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4.10. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11. Somebody tell me, read up until the comma. Go ahead, read it. What did Paul say? 
Not that I was ever in need. What Jonathan preached like that. What about the Apostle Paul? Oh, yeah. Him, he said out of his own mouth, not that I was ever in need. Want me to show you what he's talking about? Turn to Acts 27. Paul is a prisoner. He has no rights. He's incarcerated. He's on a prison ship. Verse 42, Acts 27, 42. They're shipwrecked. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plans. How come, he, how come they didn't kill the prisoners? How come? Anyone? You can speak in complete sentences. Why? Paul was there. Somebody say favor. favor. Paul had so much favor that they decided to spare everybody's life to not kill him. So even in prison, he actually, I don't have time to read it. If I read all of Acts 27, by the middle of the chapter, who's in charge of the ship? Paul. I told you we weren't supposed to sail and you didn't listen to me. That's why we're in trouble. Now do this, this, and this. And they all did what he said. Then even when they went to eat, he said, no one's eating. Everybody sit down. We're going to eat. And then Paul blessed the food on a Roman barbarian prison ship. Hey, Brutus, put the food down. We haven't prayed yet. <laughs> then he leads in prayer and he's, he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner running the prison ship. And then when he gets done, they, hey, you know, Roman law, if any prisoners escape, the guards get killed. Your life for their life. Hey, when we get to shore, they're all going to make a break for it. Let's kill them all so we don't lose our lives. Normally I would, but I'm not killing Paul. Somebody say favor. favor. Now, if you get called to go overseas to preach in Sri Lanka, do you expect to get killed or do you expect favor? If God wanted to kill you, he could kill you and rust him. He doesn't have to send you overseas to outsource it. He's not sending you somewhere to die. He's sending you somewhere to bring life and blessing. 28. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Okay, remember, when you say poor, you couldn't be any poorer than Paul is right now. He has wet, unusable clothing. He's been shipwrecked at sea. He's tired. He's 60. He, he doesn't even, poor, he not only doesn't have money, he doesn't have his freedom. And what, watch what happens in 10 verses. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake was driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand, and the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and was unharmed. If you were here earlier in the week, somebody asked a good question during the day. They said, you know, you preach healing, but then the church I go to, they say, what about people like Paul? Okay, what about Paul? He got bit by a snake that's supposed to make you swell up and die on the spot. I was in Zambia preaching. They said, watch out for 10-step snakes. I said, what's that? 
They said, after it bites you, you're dead within 10 steps. You get about nine steps in, and off you go to see Jesus. So that's the kind of snake that bit Paul. The Bible says the locals said, oh, he's probably a murderer. Though he escaped the sea, karma killed him. And that snake would have killed anybody else, but what did Paul do? Oh, Jesus. No. Shook it into the fire. Everybody say, shake it off. You actually don't have to pray against demonic attacks. Just shake it off. Do you hear what so-and-so's saying? Let them talk. Though your enemy attacks you from one direction, I'll make them run from you in seven. Don't say if you pray and fast, I'll do it. I'll make them. Anytime an enemy attacks you, I will make them run from you in seven directions. If you're a tither, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That, that involves no prayer. Anybody that's trying to get a piece of your money or sue you, I'll take care of them myself. It'll never make it to trial. But when they waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. Now watch this. What Satan meant for evil actually became the thing that made Paul a celebrity on that island and separated him out from the other prisoners. Did you ever hear how John Hagee went from being a local small church pastor to a national pastor? He was preaching. A man walked right down the center aisle, pulled out a revolver, and shot him in the chest. Hole in the suit jacket, hole in the vest, hole in the dress shirt, hole in the undershirt, no hole in him. He looked down, looked back up, and the guy fell to his knees, overcome by whatever, the Spirit of God, what, what happened? And they ran in the newspaper how this young pastor was having a tent meeting and somebody shot him in the chest. See, that's why I don't get on this crew. America's so wicked. If we could only go back. Go back to what? People coming down the center around blowing preachers away in the chest? They burned T.L. Osborne's tent down in San Antonio in 1952. So if you have this view that America was this wonderful place and now we've gone so far from God, the murder rates, you ever look at the murder rates in the Old West? They're a hundred times higher than Chicago's murder rate. And that was back then. You think there's this God-fearing society? They used to tar and feather preachers. True or false? So I'm not saying that to bash America. I'm saying every generation. You can read articles from the 1700s. This new generation is so wicked. No, they're not. You're just old. I can, I, I can, find, you, I can find you articles from the early mid-1900s. This new generation's only interested in dancing the Charleston. Okay. So everybody was always selling the youth out. They're wicked. All I care about is drugs. The 60s, the 60s was as wicked as can get. This new generation, transgender. Yeah, there's like nine of them. It's not the whole generation. Why focus on what's wrong with the country? All I've seen is a room full of youth, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., coming three hours at a shot, four hours at a shot to hear the Word of God, get hands laid on them. Let me tell you, America's in the best shape it's ever been because you're here, I'm here, and we're here for such a time as this. This is the worst gay pride month in history. People won't even put the rainbow thing up on their court. People don't want it. That's happening now. I'm not talking Christians. I'm talking about unsafe comedians are making fun of it. Enough. We don't want that. Quit telling me how I'm going to spend my whole June. 
Amen. It's been rejected by sinners and Christians alike. There's, there's actually an awakening in America right now where people are realizing this stuff that I've been fed is garbage. I don't want the world. I'm looking for something that can fill this hole. Then someone is going to preach the gospel to those people. Some of them are sitting right here. You're going to see your generation that was meant for destruction usher in the greatest move of the Holy Ghost that there's ever been. Somebody shout hallelujah. Near the shore where we landed, Everybody say what the devil meant for my bad. God will use for my lifting. Yeah, not just he'll use it for good, it'll mark you out. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. That's diarrhea. Paul went in and prayed for him. Laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, they showered him with, in the, in the Greek, high honor gifts. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need. Paul washes on shore in Malta. And in 10 verses, he's staying at the governor's mansion as a prisoner. He healed everybody on the island. And then when he healed them, they all went, are you going to be here another day? Yeah, okay. We're going to go back home and get you something real quick. And every family that he healed, one of their family members, went back and got him a high-value gift from their home and brought it to him at the governor's mansion. Paul washed up a prisoner. He's living in the nicest house there and has a room full of gifts from everybody on the island by the end. What about paying people preach prosperity? What about Paul? I haven't even entered into that yet. Paul, Paul operated in high-level prosperity. Actually, I'm going to keep reading. Go back to Acts 28. One time I was preaching on the Bible doctrine of home ownership and property ownership, and somebody wrote, what about Paul? I don't know if people don't have like a Bible <laughs> or they can't read. You know, the groups of letters make words. And then the words group together to make sentences and thoughts. And you read them from left to right, just whoever's writing in all caps right now on YouTube. This man's a false prophet, P-R-F-I-T. In all caps, demons always lock the caps. Seventeen, Acts 28, 17. Sorry, 30. Acts 28, 30. For the next two years, Paul's still a prisoner, by the way. Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him. What does it say in the King James Bible? For the next two years, you have King James or no? Anybody have King James here? Yep, there it is. And Paul dwelt two years, two whole years, in his own home, his own private home as a prisoner. He got treated the same as Pablo Escobar. When Pablo Escobar got sent to prison, the, the government, for fear for their lives, let him build his own cell. He built a home that was his in the prison, stayed there for a while, and then one day just left. That's how Paul, Paul lived at that level. 
Oh, we're not putting you in the general population. You actually, go get your own house and you can have people in whenever you want. These people teach prosperity. Paul was a prisoner. Every time he was an actual prisoner, he got broken out. The only time he got to stay one was when, when God said, I mean, what, what's, are you really a prisoner at this point? With your own private home, receiving guests at your leisure? Yeah, you know, they don't preach that one. I'm going to read something to you while my blood pressure is rising. This is the head of a Southern Baptist seminary, one of the main ones that they just did an investigation on. I want you to hear this. I'm not knocking Southern Baptists. But they, they formally condemned what they called the prosperity gospel at their last convention. Now here's the investigation. The former president of a prominent Southern Baptist seminary in North Texas spent $1.5 of that seminary's money in personal home renovations and tens of thousands more in unchecked spending. One, uh, during his three-year ten tenure, examples... $60,000 for Christmas decorations, $25,000 for personal artwork, and $11,123.49 for an espresso machine. Now, if you do that and then tell other people that you're against prosperity, you're what's called a liar. You're going to notice something in religion. They always tell you that money's not for you, but the guys at the top always have plenty. I had somebody tell, tell me one time, what do you say to people that don't believe in prosperity? I said, I don't say anything to them because no one, they're lying. I don't believe in prosperity. Did you ride here on a donkey? No, I have a car. You have prosperity. The average person on earth drives an ox cart in 2023. The average person on earth, their transportation is an ox cart. Do you live in a cement cinder block building with a dirt floor? No, no, you don't. You live in a home with Wi-Fi and a flat screen TV. So take your anti-prosperity talk. Then the head guys that do it, the head guy, the head, Mr. Anti-Prosperity in Southern California has three homes that are all valued at over a million dollars. One in Colorado, two in, two in California. That's not prosperity. God doesn't give prosperity. Who built the homes? The devil. You got some splaining to do. Then they catch him with a luxury watch on. Oh, someone gave that to me. I know they give it to us too. We just don't hide it. We tell the people that what God's done for one, he'll do for anybody. I don't believe in prosperity. Teaching students that they, not to believe in prosperity while well, you get 25,000 worth of artwork and an $11,000 espresso machine. First of all, you need to learn how to negotiate. What's the espresso machine made out of? Whatever Captain America's shield's made out of? Is it a vibranium espresso <laughs> machine? Give me a break. You're getting the best of everything, telling a generation of people training for the ministry that God, God won't bless you financially. Live in a home with pillars on the front. I'm all for it. You can live in a house with gold pillars on it for all I care. But don't start taking shots at Osteen. Then those same guys will take shots at Joel Osteen. How does he live in a huge house? Number one, you live in a huge house. Number two, you don't have to have an IQ that's too high to realize that a guy that's written over 20 New York Times best-selling books probably is going to live in a decent house. Can you say amen? 
You'll never have what you speak against. Say this out loud. Attack wealth. Attract lack. Now say this. Attack lack. Attract wealth. Choose your fighter. Pick which one you want to be. That's not what you need a car like that for. Some of you have relatives. That's all. Anytime I see some, something nice, that's something you need to live in a house that big for. I would never buy a house like that. We know. They don't sell homes like that to people that are still wearing their pajama pants at four in the afternoon and slides. I'd never buy a house like that. I know. We know. You've never done anything of significance ever. When you die, they're going to have to do the same, the same standard eulogy they do for every person who's never contributed anything. She had a smile that could light up a room. She never met a stranger that she, that, that she didn't befriend. On down the line. I'm not having that funeral. With 23 people in the room, 17 of them are there for the free sandwiches. Five are there because they have to be there because they're family. Oh no. When I go home to be with the Lord, if Jesus tarries long enough, that room's going to be full of people that say, I was on my way to hell and I heard him preach. Now my whole family's in church. We're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We were broke. We were victims of abuse. Now now we have an overflowing cup of blessing. We have our own business. We have a hundred employees because the blessing of God through the word of God brought something to our family and we've never been the same. That's going to be your story. They're not going to have to make up something at your funeral. There's going to be people there in a line to testify. Jesus used that man to change my life. Jesus used that woman to change my life. Stay on your feet, everybody. Say that word with me. Two syllables. Breakthrough. Breakthrough is understanding that wherever your feet are, you carry breakthrough. Who helped Paul? Nobody helped him. They were happy to watch him swell up and die from a snake bite. But he carried breakthrough. So he shook the attack off. Everybody say, shake the attack off. Every attack against your life, it gets shaken off now in Jesus' name. That viper is not going to cling to you and determine your destiny. It goes right back into the fire in Jesus' name. I said in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. I'm done with attack. I do the attacking. Devil's going to be attacking. Hit him back. Anybody have a dad that fathers you like that way? That got mad at you when you told him somebody was picking on you at school? Go back tomorrow and break his nose. Do what I tell you. My dad never hugged. Oh, sorry, he's picking on you, son. My dad said, hit him in the face like you're trying to kill him. And he's a preacher. Hit him in the face like you're trying to kill him. He said, even if, even if he wins the fight after that, I promise you he's going to pick a new target. That was like the happiest day of my life. Went to school with a license from my dad to do some damage. Everybody say, hit back. Yeah. Say, hit first. Yeah. I'm not waiting for the devil to attack me. I'm making plans to attack him yeah. with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I'm making plans that are going to take the wealth of the wicked into the kingdom of God. I'm not seeing what he's going to do and react. He's going to have to react to what I'm doing. I'm telling you in Jesus' name, they're going to have to hold emergency board meetings in hell about what to do with that lady, what to do with that man. I thought we sidelined them. I thought we shipwrecked them on an island and had them bitten with a snake. What are they doing taking the whole island for Christ? Because you carry breakthrough. The attack will not determine your destiny. Your greatest days begin right now. You're going to have the best second half of a year that you've ever had in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. So go after it. Go forward. I lost my job. Get a better one. Go find one. Anytime when I was starting out in the ministry, if somebody ever called me and canceled a meeting, I went out and got two more by my faith. One time I went out into the woods. A guy canceled a meeting. It was the only meeting I had to preach. And they called and canceled like three weeks before. And I started feeling sorry for myself and I felt the Lord speak to me. Get two more. I said, I don't have anybody to, that I know. Ask me. I went out into the woods, took my cell phone in Maine, and I was praying. Father, let this phone ring twice. I know there's got to be two pastors somewhere in this country that are on their knees asking you for revival. Give them my number. Speak to them. Open up two divine meetings in Jesus' name. And I'm praying. I take my Nokia phone out and check it. No calls. Keep praying. In the name of Jesus. After like 40 minutes, I started getting discouraged. No one called. And then, uh, you're going to think I'm joking. I literally heard the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside. Check your phone signal, genius. I had walked so far out into the woods, it said, no signal. Father, I know you're going to have somebody call. Hey, give me a little help. Go to where a cell tower is. It's like 2003. I walk close to a cell, I get signal. As soon as the bars go up on the side of that Nokia blue phone, it said two missed calls. One was a Messianic Jewish church in northern New Jersey. You know, Jonathan, I don't know if you remember me or not. I met you when you were a teenager. I heard you went to Bible school. And for some reason, I was just thinking today, I'd like to have you come in and speak at our, our service we do. To, to the Jewish people in northern New Jersey. Next call was Adolis's youth pastor, and uh, he called to have me in, and that's where I met Adolis the first time. So if I'd have gone to the thing that I was originally supposed to go to, who knows who I'd have married. That's where God actually took the, the cancellation, not only gave me two more meetings, I met people that were divinely orchestrated to be in my life. Now one thing I've enjoyed the last four years is meeting people who are divinely orchestrated to be in my life, that God placed, that have been a blessing and a help and a friend. Lift your hands all over this room. I loose that grace to you on this Breakthrough Friday, that instead of wrong people coming in and out of your life left and right, right people are gonna come into your life from every direction. People that just feel to help you. People that remember that they knew your mom and just were thinking about you out of nowhere and wanted to help you. For every person who's coming to your life to hurt you, God's gonna send you seven people this year before the end of the year that are gonna help you in Jesus' name. And it's not gonna be an effort. It's not gonna be you trying to make it happen. The Lord's gonna do it. Just like Paul, just easy. Shake the snake off into the fire. Then, then when they see him do it, can you pray for my dad? Praise for the guy's dad. Then the whole island comes to be healed. And in 10 verses, he goes from washed up prisoner 
to governor's guest with a room full of gifts. That's your heritage in Christ. I said, that's your heritage in Christ. Your heritage in Christ isn't defeat. Your heritage in Christ is always the head, never the tail. Well, yeah, Jonathan says that, but they killed Jesus. No, they didn't. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And every time they tried to kill him, he walked through and nobody dared lay a hand on him. What Bible are people reading? Who told you life has to be hard? I'm a single mother. whoop de doo there's, there's a lot of single mothers. It doesn't say in Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, I'll make you the head and always the tail, in parentheses, provided you're not a single mother. I'll make you the head and never the tail, above always, never beneath. The only condition is not that you're married or that you have a nice family or that you have an education. The only condition is that you will serve the Lord with all your heart and obey diligently, hearken to and obey all that he's commanded you to do. That's it. You do that, you're on the path to a wonder life in Jesus' name. Say out loud, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man will become normal for me in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down and look up at me, but stay on your feet. You know, I'm just telling you this is an illustration. This illustration never goes over well. I don't know whether people get upset or what, but to me it's worth telling. Because I told you last night, the Lord spoke to me in 2020, begin to believe me for private aircraft to travel or you won't be able to do what I'm calling you to do because there's gonna be a disruption in domestic air travel soon. Well, we saw that last year. I would have probably missed a third of my meetings last year if I was traveling commercially because with this new guy in charge, that should be running a popsicle stand somewhere in the suburbs at best. The, the air travel's ridiculous. So I started doing it. Well, I never, like, I never had a goal. I never prayed one, one time to start the year like, Lord, I, I'm a preacher. I belong in private jets. I want to use my faith. I, don't, I was not. It was a necessary tool to do what I'm doing. Well, things keep expanding. I keep traveling and preaching. One day I go to pull into the private airport where they keep all the private jets in Pittsburgh, and the lady on the intercom, when I buzzed to go in on the airfield, she goes, um, hey, we just wanna thank you for all your business. I said, oh, you know, I wasn't trying to give anybody any business. I'm just doing my thing. I said, oh, she went, no one uses private jets in Pittsburgh more than you. Now, there's big Fortune 500 companies there, but actually, I looked, a bunch of them are all selling their planes. I said, really? No one in Pittsburgh uses it more than me? Those athletes there? She said, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, but I think you more than him. So, and he's a Christian too. His wife's born again. Actually, that's what they're using jets for. She travels and speaks. So the two people that use private jets the most, and he's tagging along with her. Her and her nonprofit and me and the ministry. Two Christians. And then the heathen people are getting unloading planes. I never set out to do that. But if you'll just do, if you'll just put your 72 bucks on the altar when God says, you'd be amazed what that $72 is gonna kick back out to you. If you'll diligently hearken to obey, if God can just find somebody that when he says go, they go. Instead of being somebody that 30 years from now, I have always felt called to India. Um, well, we're in Louisiana. I know, God called me there, I'm just praying. Yeah. You don't have to pray anymore. I'm sure God found somebody else after year 10. 
God calls you to India, you should be there in a week. Get your passport, get your visa, and get, get your hind end over there. You'd be amazed what God will do with your life if you'll just move. Quit sitting around a table and talking to your aunts, A-U-N-T-S, who have never accomplished anything. Do you think I should go to India? They couldn't even find it on a map. I think you said Indiana. I heard it's flat there. No, 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 India. Talking to people that have never done anything. Running God's commands by people that don't even obey, don't even go to church. Don't even obey the simple commands. They that walk with the wise will become wise themselves, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So you hear the voice of God, then start getting around winners. That's what this church is. Faith Church Ruston's a place that's not going to pump the brakes on your life. They're going to celebrate your victories with you. Can you say amen? Where did this family come in from? Green, black, and black? Or friends? You three? You came from Pasadena, Texas? How, how far of a drive? Come, I'm going to pray for you. Give these young ladies a hand clap. Drove five hours. I had a feeling. <laughs> Lift both hands to the Lord. Where is Pasadena, Texas? Oh, it's about Houston. Lift your hands to the Lord. Now, this is going to be a breakthrough day for you. Your life after 12.06 p.m., Texas time, will not be anything like your life before then. In Jesus' name. Vehicles, transportation, finances, all the things that you require to make impact in your generation. You won't have to try to get it. You won't have to go fund me it. It'll just happen. In Jesus' name. Phil. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I feel the presence of God in here. Lift both hands in this section. I lose breakthrough. I lose increase. I lose overflow. I lose a word mentality. that you'll learn to obey God's voice from his word over your culture, over your family. That's what, you know, that's what Abraham had to do. Leave your father's family, your native country, and go to the land that I'll show you. He'd have never been able to do what he was doing. Listening to his father, who made idols for a living. Abraham's dad was named Terah, and he was an idol maker. Leave your father's family. And go to the land that I'll show you, and I will make you great. And I will bless you. And I'll make you a blessing. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's what we carry. That's our spiritual heritage. I will bless you. I will make you great. I'll make you a blessing. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm not at all the nations yet, but I'm blessing a lot of nations with my preaching every, every day. Just went on in Israel and Syria and Jordan, Palestine, Australia, the whole continent of Africa, uh, Western Europe. I only have a few more to go. I only got a few more. And that, that was somebody that was in the woods trying to get one meeting. Where you are now is not going to be where you stay. Breakthrough causes you to break through anywhere they put you. They can wash you up on an island. By the end, you, you're running the island. They put you on a, on a prison ship. You're the commander of the ship. There's a grace on your life. 
I said, there's a grace on your life. I loose that grace into every one of you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, this center section, that your life from today will not resemble anything like before. This lady in the denim button up, come right, come right around. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God. In Jesus' name, you never be the same. This lady with the striped shirt, step right down to the aisle. Power of God's on you. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Fill. Breakthrough. I carry breakthrough. I don't need a breakthrough. I carry breakthrough. I'm here to break other people through. I don't, I don't have needs. I meet needs. In Jesus' name. Everybody in this section. Let me pray for my friend in the nice flower floral top. Come right out to the aisle. You've been in almost every meeting. Hand the guns on you. Lift your hands right there. power of God goes into your pancreas right now. All your blood levels go to normal. In Jesus' name. Did Solis make it? Oh, you did. Oh, so nice to meet you in person. I'm going to pray for you. Canceled a doctor's appointment to come here instead and get healed. Came a bunch of hours. I pray for this lady in the nice forest green, black, and, and white. Yep, nice glasses. Come right out. That's good. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. Lift your hands up a little more. As you do, the power of God comes upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Every hand lifted in this section. Rondo rebaste. Condore bandie. Brocotia. Father, the same miracle that you did for my friend from New Jersey. Yes, 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 yes. Command the structure of your body yes. to be strengthened, Amen. supernaturally quickened. I receive. In Jesus' name. And if I pray for your wife, take a step out with both hands, close both eyes. As you do the power of God, you look super healthy to look at you, but God's going to quicken your body right now. 
This lady with the flowers on, on your shirt, you're whipping your ass. Step, if you can't step into the aisle somehow without uh, killing anyone. Right there's fine. Lift both hands. Lord's not only going to touch your body and your mind, but all the scattered and broken pieces of your family, the Lord's going to gather it all up and make it whole again. In Jesus' name. Bit of a delayed reaction. I thought somebody shoplifted a good out, out of the target. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! That's right. Somebody shout breakthrough. breakthrough. Every head back. Let me pray for this lady with the blue jeans, pink top, purple hair. Come right up. With both hands closed, both eyes. Power of God's on you. right. Lift your right hand to the Lord. Say this from your belly. I will diligently hearken to do all that you've commanded me to do. And I'll do it with joy. It'll be a delight in Jesus' name. Put your other hand up next to it. As Sister Clarita sings this anointed song. Just let the presence of God come upon your body, come upon your spirit. In Jesus' name, every eye closed, every hand lifted. Go ahead. Every head, head bowed, every eye closed. You can put your hands down. Breakthrough begins with not being a prisoner of the devil. You must be born again. If you don't have the, the blood of Jesus, you got nothing. You don't have a covenant without the blood of Jesus. And everything that we talked about today is because of the covenant that was enacted by his blood. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you maybe you say, Jonathan, if I'm honest, I haven't diligently hearkened to do all that God's commanded me to do. Look at you, Solis. Hallelujah. Moving good. Praise God. Your strength comes back. That infirmity comes out of your body now. This multi-decade battle with infirmity is declared over in Jesus' name. 
over. That's it. Body gets quickened in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jonathan, I'm not living like I should. Some people have one area. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Some people have one area they've never surrendered to, to, to Jesus. And the devil uses that area to mess their life up. Alcohol, perversion, whatever. You need to get rid of it today. Jonathan, I'm going all the way in with Jesus. I'm giving him my life. I'm going to live according to his word starting right now. I'm turning my back on sin. I receive Christ. I want, if that's you, I want you to put your hand up high and we're going to pray in Jesus' name. I want to make that move tonight. I see your hand. Or today, I see your hand. Who else? I see your hand. Very quickly, I see your hand. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, come right to the altar right now. Be careful if there's any bodies in the aisle. Come right now. Every hand that was lifted, come. Come right to the front. I'm leaving here with a clean slate. I'm leaving here with my sins forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say this prayer from your heart. Heavenly Father, I turn my back on sin. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. I hope you got blessed today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. Get the uh, July 2nd through the 9th promo ready because I'll show that um, when they're receiving the offering. All the ways to give are here. We're, there's people that were listening today, live and online, that the Lord prompted you to sow a seed, kind of like the $72 one I did it. $72 isn't a magic number. It's what I had in the bank. I don't, I don't preach that you sow $316 and you get the John 3.16 anointing. But it was $72 because um, that's what I had in the bank. So, <laughs> but some people are being spoken to like that now. There's a seed that you could sow today with your faith attached to it from this message that this is going to be my breakthrough seed. And I have not, I've not hammered an offering at all this week, morning or night, and I'm not going to do it now. But there are, there are people that if you would hear the voice of the Lord and sow something at your level, We've been having people sow at the six-figure level, 100,000, 300,000, 250. There's people that God's been speaking to to do that, obviously, because there's a move of the Spirit to bring the treasure into the temple to build a temple. But then everybody that lets their treasure flow into the temple, the Lord will bless you 100-fold what you give. That million dollars I sowed has come back in bunches Amen. in a handful of weeks. Yes. You know, Camila... It was a sowing and reaping. She gave, how much did you give yesterday? 300 bucks? Three different $100 bills? She, 
She sowed two different $100 seeds, and somebody came last night with $500 bills for her from another state. We didn't know that she gave that. They didn't like see her give, and oh, isn't that cute? And so, you know, they have a little kid's bed in the big room where we're staying. She's over there, and I'm, I'm in the big bed. And she pulls out $500, crisp $100 bills. She goes, hey, Dad, remember the $200 I gave? I got five back. And she doesn't even say it like with any surprise because it's like, it's a law. She's been working that law for about three years and just keeps giving. She's asked me before if she could have a, can I have $200 and I'll pay you back? First of all, what 10-year-old can pay back $200? She has it though, which is like, I have my money up in my room, but I, I want to sow um, some money tonight. And she, she'll tell me, she's already thinking who I, who I want to bless at 10. Not who's got a lollipop for me. Who can I give $100 to? Let me tell you, I came across what I told you at 26 years old, 25. So if you start working it at eight, you're going to be in good shape. But just start where you are now because I, I never got to the thing I was going to preach. We're in a time. Who will stand in the temple? Strengthen those who are in the temple. Enemies be destroyed. 2023, and they gathered up all the spoil from their enemies. This is a year of supernatural wealth transfer. This building we're standing in is supernatural wealth transfer. It was not a church. It was not built to be a church, but it came out of different hands and into the kingdom of God. So that's what's happening. This is not a gimmick. That is what's happening in the spirit right now. Million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. And if you want to get in on the action, all you got to do is ask the Holy Ghost what my price of admission is. What seed would you have me sow to enter into a mighty flow? where the wealth that's in the hands of the wicked is being transferred into the hands of the just. Amen? Everybody say, I'm going to get my part. It'll be the easiest thing you ever do. All you do is concentrate on the sowing part. Lord, what would you have me to give? And then the Lord takes care of the reaping. And it can come a million different ways. Ladies, stop you in an aisle on your way back to your seat. Who was told by the Lord, don't give to his ministry, give to him. I didn't sow ministry money. I sowed me money. And God knew it. Revivaltoday.com, you click give now. All the ways to give are there. You have an envelope in your seat for those of you that would like to give live. You can donate stock. You can donate crypto. We had somebody donate $13,000 worth of stock this week, I heard. And so we, every way you can legally give, we can give. We don't accept human organs yet because that's still illegal. But as soon as they make that legal, we'll send an igloo cooler to your house with some gas station ice and hook it up. Amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.